We're in the book of Acts. We are going to do a buffet this morning. I know since COVID, buffets are closed. Um, you can't go on cruises right now. If you've been on a cruise, raise your hand if you've been on a cruise. Buffets galore, they're fantastic. Um, so we're going to do a buffet this morning. So I just pray as we kind of roll through chapter 17, 18, and 19. And the book of Acts, some of you are doubters. There's no way in a half an hour we can do this. You are absolutely correct. Um, and so I, as we do that this morning, I just pray that you'll be able to, to get a little bit out of it, kind of like the chocolate pudding on a salad bar. You guys ever think about that? You've ever been to a salad bar? Raise your hand. Church, I'm going to be really interactive, Okay. Some of you guys are, so don't take offense when I say this, but some of you are a little chill, and it's okay to respond. Yeah. We're going to move around, and I'm, I'm going to move around, and poor Tim back there doing the cameras. Poor you at home. Hopefully I don't make you car sick. Um, but yeah, we're going to be respond. We want to respond. It's going to be good. So anybody been to a salad bar? Yeah. Okay, yes. And you have all the ingredients for a great salad. Okay. And then for some reason, I can get cottage cheese at a salad bar because I'm thinking, yeah, chocolate pudding. No. no. I've never seen anybody do a nice salad with everything on top and then get to the end where the salad dressings are, where the chocolate pudding is, and like just scoop a bunch, of, and that's their salad dressing. Never seen it. Been to hundreds of salad bars. I'm not going to answer that. That's something you're going to have to ask Jesus about because I don't, I don't understand it. I don't understand it. But we're going to be doing a buffet this morning. We're going to be kind of make, taking a tour through the book of Acts 17, 18, and 19. So I encourage you to have Bibles. We have Bibles in the back because we're going to be reading a lot this morning. Verses here, verses there, all in context, but kind of telling a story this morning. So if you need a Bible, I would love for you to have a Bible just to be able to have it in your hand. Just raise your hand. A Andrea's back there. She's handing them out. Doug's coming over to grab one, I think. Good. That'd be great. Hey, I'm on page, um, if I can read it, 952. So if you have a, one of the black Bibles in the, in the back, um, page 952, Acts chapter 17. So, Eric, can you show this map? I have a new Bible, but it doesn't have maps in it. Sometimes it's kind of cool to get perspective, you know, about, like, where we're at and where we're going or where we've been. So, the Apostle Paul, you guys have known, Adrian did a great job sharing about his conversion, and he's, he's persecuting the church. Jesus shows up post-resurrection, shows up. Paul gets saved, totally changes his heart. Now, instead of persecuting the church, he is going to be like one of the leaders in the early church, sharing the good news and the gospel. So he goes out on missionary journeys. He does three. And so these are his missionary journeys, red, blue, and, and fuchsia, kind of purplish. We are going to, we're kind of picking up about the end of his second journey, 
and kind of covering a little bit of his third journey. Last week, when they were in prison and they were praising God in the midst of their pain and their struggle, that was the end of their, that was in their second journey. And so, this is where we're at. So if you're looking, we're going to be, if you look over where Crete is, down here at the bottom, I don't have a pointer. If you go kind of straight up from Crete and over a little bit to the left, see Corinth over there in Athens. We're going to bounce up to Berea. Um, we're going to hop over, and then we're going to drop down to uh, Ephesus. You see Ephesus over there in the, kind of almost the direct middle. You see it? Everybody see it? I can't see it back there, but I can see it here. So that's modern-day Turkey. If you're looking at the uh, today's map, that's modern-day Turkey right there. And so that's where we're going to end up in chapter 19 uh, today. But we're going to kind of pick it up. We're going to kind of follow along this journey. Uh, Paul and Silas are released from uh, jail, and then uh, they encourage the believers, and then they, they move on and they go. And so we're going to uh, pick it up here in... Uh, Chapter 17, he shows up in Thessalonica, and you guys are going to notice that as we kind of name these cities, if you look up on these cities, you're going to notice like, hey, these cities kind of sound like books of the Bible, because they are. So as Paul's going, people are getting saved. They want to gather together. The Bible says in Acts, in the early part of Acts, that when the believers got saved and like, man, we're in, we're following Jesus, they dedicated themselves to four different things. They dedicated themselves to, and it was all about being together, but they're going to learn together, they're going to meet together, and while they're meeting, they're going to eat together, and they're going to pray together. Those are their four things that they really, really committed themselves to, and so that sounds like church to me. We're going to meet and learn together, and we're going to eat together, and we're going to pray together. And so all these little churches start happening in these different cities, that Paul is going to, Paul and his companions. We'll read about some of his companions today. And so you'll see, yeah, the Corinthian church. There wasn't two churches. It wasn't 1 Corinthians and 2 Corinthians. It wasn't like 1 Baptist church and 2 Baptist church, which I never get. I grew up Baptist, so I can make Baptist jokes. Okay, Never really understood, like, when you go into a town and you name your church 1 Baptist church, but then later on another church comes in, like, okay, we'll be 2 Baptist church. Okay, just a little side note. So 1 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians, same church. They needed a lot of help. They got two letters, okay? And then we see uh, Philippi, the book of, okay? We see, what else do we see? I can't see it up there. Um, we see Ephesus, the book of, Colossia, yeah, and the book of, yeah. And then you'll see some churches in there that there are, there aren't books in here, but there's, there's a letter to them in the book of Revelation. Okay, so you'll see Laodicea is up there and, and some of those places. Someday Pastor Marcy will teach you on the book of Revelation. It'll be, it'll be good. I'll take about two years off. She'll just go for it. It'll be good. You ready? Okay. All right. So Paul's in Thessalonica. Um, good news is being shared. And doesn't everybody want to hear good news? Everybody wants to hear good news, right? Yes. Almost always, okay? Unless the good news affects your bottom line and totally goes against everything that you've been taught. And that is exactly what's going to happen. So Paul is going out 
with his companions, and he's sharing the news that Jesus is the Savior of the world. He is the Messiah that we've been looking for. Now, he's going into towns and cities that don't have a Jewish background. They have a worldly background. They have the gods and idols that they've been serving and following their whole lives. They build these amazing buildings and statues, um, so much so that if you look up the ancient seven wonders of the world, those things, if you look at these cities, many of those buildings and statues are in these cities. Paul is going to these cities who have idols, who have all these gods, little g, and he's sharing the God you're looking for is the God of creation, the God who made all of this, and he's a personal God. He's God, but he's also a personal God, and he wants you to know him, and he sent his son Jesus to die and sacrifice himself for us because we couldn't do it. And then when we killed him, God raised him from the dead, and we are witnesses of that. And so they're sharing this good news, and people are responding. A lot of people are hearing good news and responding. But the people that are really entrenched in what they believe and what they want to hang on to, they're not liking it. Like, who likes change? <laughs> I didn't see one hand go up. Okay. Oh, we have a couple hands. Okay, really. All right. But we have change. So some people like change. Some people don't. And so we see that. So, so riots are happening. So Paul will go into a city. He'll share good news. Hundreds and even thousands of people will get saved. But then people get angry, and they usually stir up a riot, and, it, and then they kick Paul, Paul out. They tell him, you just need to go. But now people are saved. And then as they live the gospel, you guys notice I didn't say as they share the gospel. I said as they live the gospel which does require opening your mouth at times, the church grows. People are getting saved, rescued, delivered. It's awesome. They're being healed. And so we see that in the, in the first part of uh, chapter 17. And then we get over into, um, he switches cities. He jumps over to another city, and he goes to Berea, which if you can see on the map, right in Macedonia there, kind of top left, that's where Paul's going to be. And I want to read this passage. It's actually in uh, chapter 17, verse 11. 11 and 12. We're going to read this together. So Paul is now in the Berean church or Berean community. There's no church there yet. He's in the community. He's sharing about Jesus with them. And he says, Now the Berean Jews were, more noble, uh, were a more noble character than those in Thessalonica. A little jab there. So they received the message with great eagerness and examined the scriptures every day to see what Paul said was true. As a result, many of them believed, as did also a number of prominent Greek women and also Greek men. So what the Bereans are really applauded for here is that as Paul was sharing, they made sure that what he was saying lined up with, with the scriptures. And so I will just say this, including myself, whenever somebody is speaking to you and sharing the scriptures with you, you better keep them accountable and you need to make sure and check. Go home and be diligent. Be diligent. So here's my challenge to you. This week, you should be reading Acts 17, 18, and 19. Because I'm just going to barely cover 
some of these things that are happening here. And there's so much happening. One thing about the Bereans is they knew the word of God. Church, we need to know this book. There are a lot of voices out there right now. There are a lot of opinions out there right now. Right? And if we just start absorbing those, we'll get overwhelmed. We'll get stressed out. We'll get discouraged. But when we line those opinions and those voices up to his word, and we realize, okay, God, your word prevails. You win. It gives us perspective. We can actually live a life in peace because we know that God's in control. So now he's moving on. Paul is moving. Um, he's, he's, he's going. He's doing stuff. He's in Athens now. Athens is a unique city. I mean, it's, it's, uh, it's I think it's uh, somewhere up there. Hey, there it is. So um, modern-day Greece, okay? So that's where he's at. And um, they have gods everywhere. They have statues of gods everywhere. They line the streets. They have these huge um, coliseums built for their gods. And they have this statue. I'm not going to point, but it's in this chapter. Read it. They have this statue that as you go into town, there's a statue. They have all the gods covered. And just in case they don't have them all covered, they have a statue to the unknown god. We don't want to leave anybody out. So we don't want to offend any of the gods, little g. So we're going to just build a random statue plaque thing that just says, just in case we left anybody out, to the unknown God. And it's so cool because Paul takes that and says, I want to tell you about this unknown God. I want to tell you about him. He's incredible. And uh, if we look in verses uh, 29, therefore, since our God... We are God's offspring. He's telling them who they are, that God is the creator. He made them. We're made in his image. So we are God's offspring. We're his children. We don't think of this divine being like gold, silver, or stone, an image made by human design or skill. In the past, God overlooked such ignorance. But now he commands all people everywhere to repent. It's that double-edged sword that Anna talked about. It's the message of grace that God sent Jesus for us because he loves us and cares for us. But unless we respond to him, unless we honor him as God, there is a day of judgment. That is a hard message. It's that two-edged sword, right? The sword of grace and then the sword of accountability. Accountability. Man, who wants that? In fact, there's so much right now out there, you guys, with voices and, and things talking, and, and people are attracted to those things. People are attracted to the spiritual until you hold me accountable, and then I don't want it. And so what's different about Christianity? We follow Jesus, and Jesus holds us accountable. And that's hard sometimes, because we want to do it our own way. God, I want you but I want you kind of like I have my mask. I just want you in my back pocket just in case I need you. Okay? But man, God says you either have me or you don't. You either have me and you're hot, you're like on fire for me, or I'd rather have you not know me at all and just build a statue that says, 
to an unknown God. Because when we stand, there's this monument. If you look up the seven wonders of the world, there's this monument. I can't even tell you. I had them in my notes, and I took it out. Like, nobody wants to know about those things. I spent like a half an hour looking them all up. Um, but there's this statue that's hundreds of feet tall, and there's a, of a man who's and it was in the city, and it was in the harbor, and he stood like this, and the ship sailed underneath him. He was huge. But it was a symbol of, well, I have some spirituality, but I also have the world. And when you stand like that, you're miserable, right? You're nothing. You are a statue. You're stuck. And Jesus says, I'd rather you be hot or cold and not just be standing there like a statue. Because if you stand there like a statue, what did Jesus say in Revelation? Makes me sick. Interesting. We don't think of Jesus that way, do we? We think of Jesus in the long robe, cool hair, goatee maybe, maybe full beard, and just loving everybody. But we don't think that Jesus said, I need you to follow me 100%, because if you don't, it makes me sick. This is the message that is being preached in all these cities. And some are responding. In fact, all are responding. There's always a response. But some are responding yes, and many are responding no. In some cities, many are responding yes. So we're going to move on. Now we're in Corinth. We're in chapter 18, verse 8. Page 954, if you have one of the Black Bibles. Crispus, the synagogue leader, and his entire household, you know, he heard the message, they've heard what Paul's been sharing, and, they, and, they, and he believed in the Lord. And many of the Corinthians who heard Paul's, Paul's message believed and were baptized. So the message is being shared and preached, and many are responding like, yes, I want to follow this God who loves me, that sent his son who sacrificed for me. I've tried everything else, and nothing else works. I've tried religion. This is a synagogue leader. I've tried religion. It doesn't work. It's like routine. It just doesn't work. It's not like I don't, there's, there's no like heartfelt response to this God. Verse 9 so the, all this is happening, and then Paul gets his vision. One night, the Lord spoke to Paul in a vision. Do not be afraid. Keep on speaking, and do not be silent, for I am with you. Now, why would God have to send Paul that message? This is why. Paul had been beaten for sharing this message. He had been stoned for sharing this message, so much so they thought he was dead after hucking rocks at him for so long. They dragged his body outside the city. This just happened not long ago in this passage. Left him for dead. Paul wakes up. He's revived. What does he do? Like run? He gets right back up and goes right back to the same city and starts telling him about Jesus. And then later on, he's doing the same message in a different city. We talked about it last week. He's beaten, put in jail. That's when they're praying and praising God. Earthquake happens. Everything, they're set free but they decide to stay, and now revival happens in that city, in Philippi. Because they're living their relationship with God out loud. Out loud so people can see it, people can respond, people can witness it. That's why Jesus had to say, hey, I want you to keep on doing what you're doing. 
Verse 10, for I am with you and no one is going to attack and harm you because I have many people in this city. So Paul stayed in Corinth for a year and a half. It's funny, like as we read the scriptures, and I say this often, but as we read scripture, we'll see that, you know, a lot of times we're like, oh, next, then the next day. It's like the show 24. Deek, 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 and then boom, the next day. No, these, sometimes these are years. A year and a half he stuck around and shared the good news uh, in Corinth. And then he moves on. And he moves on. And so now we're going <laughs> to jump ahead to uh, chapter 19. I know we're all over the place. I told you, buffet. So now Paul shows up. He goes to multiple cities. Um, and then he shows up in Ephesus. And in verse 10, it says, his sharing and all the stuff that was going on in Ephesus happened. This went on for two years. So that all the Jews and Greeks who lived in the province of Asia heard the word of the Lord. So Paul is sharing. Now he was a year and a half in Corinth. Then he travels a whole bunch. You can look, just look, follow the purple line. He's like bouncing all over the place. He ended up in Jerusalem for a while, way down there, and then back up to Ephesus. And then he spends like two years there sharing the good news. Everybody's excited to hear good news, right? Yes, but there are a lot of people who aren't, and we're going to see that. So, but there are a lot of cool things happening. Any of you guys in here, and I'm not going to judge, I'm going to open my eyes, but watch Christian TV. I'm not like talking Christian movies, but like Christian TV, like the televangelist guys and gals. A few of us, some of you are watching right now, you think I'm a televangelist. Send in your tithes right now. Okay, um, yeah, it, Christian TV. I think there's some great Christian TV, and I think there's some not so great Christian TV. For a while, there's these couple guys. One guy was they nicknamed him Slick. I wonder why. Um, well, besides his hair being older than me and completely black hair and uh, slick back, but he was. All he did is ask for money. And it was all about, God, if you give me $1,000, if you give our ministry $1,000, God will bless you. And so he was sending out these, like, handkerchiefs. He would, like, pray over this handkerchief, you know, and, and then, like, 1000 bucks. I don't think he wiped his nose. But, yeah, I'm kind of joking, but this was real. Google it. They, televangelists were doing this. They were doing it with seeds. Give us a faith seed of $1,000, and we'll send you a five-cent packet of flower seeds. Now, some of those ministries use that money really well. But if you Google that and, and kind of look it up, many of those ministries bought airplanes and multiple houses and lived way... They weren't using that money to help serve the poor. They weren't using that money to disciple people. They were using that money for their own personal gain rough because we can sometimes take advantage of the gospel we can sometimes like wow i can have personal gain because of the gospel and we see that in this passage here as we get into the sons of skiva and we're not going to read it it's we're running out of time but these guys these like man there's power in the name of jesus all these things were happening i do have to read one thing i know you're going okay just laugh okay all right here we go 
So why the handkerchief thing? Why do these televangelists like, well, if you pray for this handkerchief, because this is, this is what's happening. So this went on for two years, okay? And uh, people were hearing about the good news. Verse 11, God did extraordinary miracles through Paul so that even handkerchiefs and aprons that he had touched, that had touched him, were taken to the sick and their illness were cured and the evil spirits left them. Magic hankies, right? So we see that in Scripture, but then I was like, oh, I can kind of take advantage of that. I can take advantage of that. And so there's power in the name, and Paul was all about Jesus. Paul had always been all about Jesus. Before, he was against Jesus, but he was all about Jesus. But now he's on the other side, and it's all about Jesus, and you need to get saved, and you need to know him. And so these guys that aren't followers of Jesus, they're going around trying to cast out demons, trying to heal people, get people saved. They're not even saved themselves, but it's for their own personal gain and popularity. And at one point, they're trying to heal this guy who's possessed, and they're like, in the name of Jesus Christ, who Paul preaches about, come out of him, and the demon speaks, and they're like, we know who Jesus is. And we've actually heard about the Apostle Paul but we have no idea who you are. And you know what happens? This guy who is possessed by this demon, and there's seven brothers, he takes them to the woodshed, beats the heaven into them. <laughs> but he, and so much so that they took off running, beaten, and they, like, all their strip, clothes were stripped off. I mean, they were beaten up because of it. Because they were trying to profit from Jesus. And we can never, there's no power, there's power in his name, amen? Say amen, because there is power in the name of Jesus. But it's not for our personal gain or our personal profit. It's for his glory. God still does heal, rescue, deliver, and restore today. But it's never for our glory, never for our fame. So they're in Ephesus. Paul's there for two years. People are being touched and changed, and hundreds and thousands of people are getting saved. And remember, they come from a culture that they are idol worshipers, so they have all this stuff. And if you read, continue reading in chapter 19, at one point, they just bring all their idolatry stuff. Their scrolls and all this stuff that's worth a lot of money. It says that they brought all this stuff and they burned it, and it was worth 50,000, whatever that, yeah, drachma, thank you, 50,000, that's like a day's wage, that's 136 years of wages, it was worth, and they burned it. Do we have any 70s or 80s youth group kids in here? You were actually in youth group like in the 70s and 80s. Okay, we have a couple of us. That was a big deal back in the 70s and 80s. I got saved in late, late 70s. Um, and, you know, we'd come together as a youth group, and we were like, oh, this Christian music is amazing. You know, and I, we'd been idolizing all these bands and all this stuff, so that was a huge deal. We'd bring our albums, and this little square thing that had these, it's called cassettes. No eight tracks. Eight tracks, I'm older than, I'm younger than that, but no eight tracks. 
And we would actually like burn them because it was like an offering. God, I don't want to poison myself with any of that stuff anymore, and I just want to follow you. It was a symbol of, man, I really want to follow you. And that's what was happening here. And all these things are going on. And so all these people are burning all, these, all, their, all their idols, and they're following Jesus. That is good news, but not everybody's happy with it. There's this guy named Demetrius, and his job was, to, he was a silversmith. He made idols. This is what he did. This is how he made money, is he made idols. He was a worshiper of, of the god Diana, the Roman god Diana, but they also call Artemis. And if you look at the ancient seven wonders of the world in Ephesus, one of the most amazing buildings that was ever built in our world's history was the, the temple to Artemis. And she was in charge. She was the god, little G, that they thought was in charge of wild animals, hunting, chastity, childbirth, vegetation. I want to make sure everybody's covered. Okay? And so she was there. That was their idol. And so people bought these idols. They had all these little things, and they had them in their houses, and they, they had their books, and they followed all the, all the things that were written about her. But then when they came to know Jesus, all those things didn't matter anymore, and they burned them, and they quit buying them. And that caused an issue with the people that were making their living off this. So I, it's hard for me to blame, like Demetrius, to say, dude, because I know our livelihoods are huge. Right now with COVID and everything that's going on, some of our livelihoods have been affected. And I know there's times where we're learning stuff, and maybe even you here today, you've never really heard the good news of Jesus. And so it goes against everything you've ever been taught and everything you've ever learned. And some people, you're, you're hungry for it, but some people are not hungry for it. And they wrestle against it, and they fight against it. And that's what we see Almost in every city that Paul shows up in, there's a large group of people that have been longing to hear this good news. But when this good news affects the bottom line for some, they're like, I can't have that because I don't know, I can, I don't know if I can trust God with my finances. I don't know if I can believe what I'm hearing. I don't know if I want to believe that. And so if you read that story, and we're not going to read it today, but if you read all through the, through the end of the chapter 19, there's a massive riot that happens, and they just get, like, in a, they get in a frenzy, and they're, like, they're just shouting, and it says that they shout for two hours straight, you know, we worship Artemis, the god of the Ephesians, something like that, for two hours straight. To me, that's, like, insane. Can you imagine doing anything like that? Like shouting at the top of your voice for two hours, unless you go to the Seahawks game. And then you do it for four hours. And it's not Artemis, it's the Seahawks. And I'm a, I'm a sports fan, so I'm, and I'm going to say it. Can our sports be an idol? Yes, our sports can be an idol. Can we worship those things? And a lot of times what we worship, follow the money line, okay? The things that we worship, the things that we hold high in regard and high, follow the money line. This year, 
a young gentleman, mid-20s, just signed a contract to throw a football for the next 10 years for $50 million for 16 games. Get your head around that. $50 million, Patrick Mahomes for the Kansas City Chiefs. $50 million a year. Sounds good when we say a year. It's like, well, at least it's a year. It's not just 16, it's not just 16 games. I would say we hold our sports in, as idols. And I, I, I would venture to say in this room, I'm looking at the biggest baseball fan I've ever met, but um, not that he is an idol guy. Um, but man, I would venture to say that I'm probably the biggest sports fan in this room. And so I have to be careful with that. Do I go to church or do I stay home and watch the Seahawks? I go to church and I DVR the Seahawks. I've got some buddies that when, when football season shows up, they don't go to church because they want to watch it live. And I'm just going to tell you that's an idol. You place that above Jesus. And so all these things that we place, what do we place? What are these things that we place above Jesus? That we worship them, maybe not more than, but equal to. The good news of Jesus is that he has come to save us, to rescue us, to restore us, and to heal us. That is good news. And for some of you today, that is really good news. For some of you, you might be like, I just don't know yet. I don't know if I'm ready to make that step. My encouragement to you is just to step in, take a step in faith. Just walk out and say, okay, I've tried everything else. I've tried following all these sports. I've tried all these hobbies. I've tried all these other religions that just leave me feeling more empty and more confused. There's a verse in here. Verse 32, chapter 19 the assembly, so they, they crowded together because they were so angry and they're shouting, you know, great is Artemis of the Ephesians. It says the assembly was in confusion. Some were shouting one thing, some another. Most of the people didn't even know why they were there. <laughs> it kind of sounds like church to me sometimes. Some are shouting this, some are shouting this, and some of us like, why am I even here? Well, the reason why you're here is because there's something going on inside that's drawing you, that God, and that's God. The Word says that God draws us to himself. And not like picture, but I mean, it's like, he's like, come, come to me. So I've already said multiple times that I'm not going to try to talk about my granddaughter very often, so, but I'm going to do it. It just came to me. So... Came over to our house, we're having dinner, and we live on this county access road, and we have deer that come up behind because my wife throws stuff out there to feed them. So we have these deer that come up and feed right behind our house. There's like seven or eight of them, and it's really awesome. Well, she was, Natalie was over the other day, and we saw a deer, and she, you know, you know, in the eyes of a two-year-old, deer are an amazement. And so she goes running to the fence, and it's interesting because the deer 
it didn't startle with a two-year-old going to him. As soon as I started walking to him, you know. And so, um, but, so I stayed way back. And she looks back at me and she says, Grandpa. And it says, like, come over, like, for me, it's like, come over here. She goes like this with her hand. Come here. She's, like, looking at me and saying, come here. Because she wants me to see the deer. And that's, like, the picture of that God draws us. He's drawing us to himself. And he's like, come. That is good news, that God is drawing us. And so some of us just need to say, hey, I'm going to make that decision to follow Jesus. It's already been stirring in your heart. You've already been going through stuff. You, you're thinking about it when you wake up. You're thinking about when you're going to sleep. You have even picture, dreams and visions, even like Paul did. And, and like the, God is speaking. And it's time for us to respond. That's why you're here. There are a lot of opinions out there. There are a lot of voices out there. I'm not interested in opinions. I'm not interested about anybody else's voice but the voice of Jesus. And so my encouragement to you is that you would respond to God, that you would just step out. And as you read these stories, I pray that they would inspire you, that they would encourage you. And it's, it's like we're seeing modern-day things happening right here. Yeah, someone, when I was reading that passage, said, oh, it's like the riots that are happening right now. Yeah, there's voices being shouted out everywhere. And, then, and some people are like, man, I don't even know why I'm here. Well, because what Gil shared a few weeks ago, people are showing up at those things because they long for something to change. And that change can only come from an act of God moving in the hearts of people. Can we stand together? And God, that's what we pray. God, we pray that you would do what you do and that you would do it again, that you would move in the hearts of people. And God, yeah, some of us might have an opinion about this and some of us in here might have an opinion about that. And some of us might wonder like, man, why am I even here? Why am I in this room? Why am I here on planet Earth? What is this? And God, I pray that you would be speaking to our hearts, that you would move us, that you would touch us, that you would change us. We're thankful that you are the God who heals today. You are the God who delivers and restores today. And we pray for that. In fact, if that's you this morning, if there's like healing needs to happen, if there's like restoration, if there's like brokenness that needs to be repaired, if there's situations that you need to be rescued from, can you just take a moment? I'm going to be silent here in just a second. Can you take a moment when you just ask God to help you? That could be as simple as help. Just that four-letter word, help. God, we thank you. Thank you that you help us. Thank you that you sent your Holy Spirit as what you describe as our helper. Pray that you'd move in us. Take us into a deeper place. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, God bless you. I love you guys. Looking forward to see you next week.